0: Hello and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode.
1: Hey guys, Buddy C. I'd Like to welcome everyone today. Paul and Lala and Kate and Craig. 63rd chapter. Hey Tina, how are you today, ma'am?
2: Good morning, good.
1: Good morning. We're doing something new. We are using the raise hand, which is under the manage participant. So if you've got something, just raise your hand, and that way we can get you in. Make sure we don't overlook you. Oh. You got it? Yep. Okay, good. And then I'll lower it after, after the conversation. So Good idea. That's Craig's idea. You can thank thank Craig for that one. Yeah. Oh no, no. <laughs> yeah. 63rd chapter really for me this is the essence of what this is all about. What I see in this chapter is the whole idea of this effortless effort wu wei and This is the whole reason I was ever interested in the Tao to begin with, is this chapter. Because I think the whole chapter is talking about how to practice effortless effort. Oh, I want to mention a book, a new book I got, which I would suggest everyone get this book. This is actually the translation, the the book that Wayne Dyer used to do his translations. He references this in the front of his book, and it's the Tao Te Ching, the definitive edition by Jonathan Starr. Jonathan Starr is the author, and what he does is he takes every word and then puts out every possible translation or many possible translations for that word. So you could go through and make your own translation, which is what Wayne Dyer did, I think, from reading his thing so it's really interesting when you read the different ideas you can get from from doing that so it's really I would suggest there I got it for like six dollars with shipping off of Amazon used, so I mean it's cheap, cheap to get, to buy there's a lot of old copies out there, so I would definitely recommend this. Kate, are you ready to read for us, ma'am? I am. All right. Have at it.
3: All right. 63rd verse. First translation. Practice non-action. Work without doing. Taste the tasteless. Magnify the small. Increase the few. Reward bitterness with care. See simplicity in the complicated. Achieve greatness in little things. In the universe, the difficult things are done as if they are easy. In the universe, great acts are made up of small deeds. The sage does not attempt anything very big, and thus achieved greatness. Easy promises make for little trust. Taking things lightly results in great difficulty. Because the sage always confronts difficulties, he never experiences them. Second translation, act without doing, work without effort. Think of the small as large and the few as many. Confront the difficult while it is still easy. Accomplish the great task by a series of small acts. The master never reaches for the great, thus she achieves greatness. When she runs into a difficulty, she stops and gives herself to it. She doesn't cling to her own comfort. Thus, problems are no problem for her. Third translation, act by not acting. Do by not doing. Enjoy the plain and simple. Find that that greatness in the small. Take care of difficult problems while they are still easy. Do easy things before they become too hard. Difficult problems are best solved while they are easy. Great projects are best started while they are small. The master never takes on more than she can handle, which means that she leaves nothing undone. When an affirmation is given too lightly, keep your eyes open for trouble ahead. When something seems too easy, difficulty is hiding in the details. The master expects great difficulty, so the task is always easier than planned. Therefore, even the sage treats some things as difficult. That is why in the end, no difficulties can get the better of him. Final translation, keep still. Don't work so hard. Learn to appreciate everyday life. Pay attention to details. Start small and work your way up. When people give you trouble, let it slide. Break everything down to its essentials. Get the job done before it becomes a chore. With the right preparation, Difficult tasks can be completed with ease. Every major project consists of small steps. The masters don't take on more than they can handle, which is why they can do just about anything. Don't promise more than you can deliver, and don't underestimate the task. You'll only make things harder for yourself. The masters are always aware of the difficulties involved, which is why they never have to deal with them.
1: Hmm comments on this for me I think this whole chapter is about learning how to do those first two sentences and thinking about recovery there's really two approaches I see to recovery there's the God doing for me approach and the cognitive behavior approach now they're mixed in some ways but you know me making a better buddy or me learning ways to you know there's the the naked mind the whole idea of understanding alcoholism and, and all of the um, practices we can do to help us not drink when we want to drink and then there's the idea that I surrender that a higher powers involved in my recovery and it's two different ideas really in a lot of regards so um but oh got it dave thanks Uh we'll talk about that some more i think but uh, craig you got something sir
4: right so i like the i like the doing without doing that's that's probably one of my favorites um the taste of tasteless that kind of got me to start with because i was kind of wondering how can you taste something that's tasteless um, but then I thought about it, and we often talk about water and how water is the is, it's the source of it feeds everybody. It doesn't discriminate. Um, so I think going back to going back to a natural source, going back to a basic. Um, personally, I didn't really like water. I preferred beer. Um, but at the moment, I'm really enjoying tasting the tasteless because it's, it's something basic. It's nutritional, and it keeps me going. Um, I think I think the main thing I got out of tasteless tasteless was going back to basic, just not overindulging, just living with what I have, not over, not, not going for, for not 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 what I don't deserve, but um, assessing whether it's a want or a need, um, and not overindulging, just take what I, take what I have, and as long as that's enough, um, and the doing the small things. Um, that reminded me of um, Admiral McRaven's commencement speech at the University of Texas. Um, he was talking about doing small things. Um, and one of those small things was making your bed. Um, I've actually got it. It's just two seconds. What he said was, um, if you make your bed every morning, you'll have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you will never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, that you made, And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. So I think just by doing the small little things, it can accumulate. Um, Rather than thinking about having one massive task to do, um, I know Buddy likes to use the how do you need an elephant analogy. You do it in little pieces. You do it by bit by bit. Um, And it's the same with um, if you've got too much going on in your head and you think you've got all these things to do, it's you know it's, it's really good just to have a brain dump, get everything on a bit of paper, and see see all your priorities, and then just take care of the things as as they come up. Um, and nine times out of ten, half the stuff that's on the list won't actually you know, need done. It's just stuff that we that we think needs done. Um, so turning a massive task into small little tasks has been instrumental for me more telling my recovery, um, and it reminds me of a saying that I heard very really early on. Um, I can do I can do anything, but I can't do everything. Um, so I can do anything, that, anything I can. Cho- I choose to put my mind to, but I just can't do it all at the same time. Thank you, Craig. How about this?
1: See simplicity in the complicated.
4: Yeah, so again, just just break things down. Just just don't think of it as a as one massive goal. Um, just just see it as simple tasks that you need to accomplish. Eating the elephant. Yeah. You know, a bite at a time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I I read Derek Lynn and Derek Lynn takes this chapter and most of it, he's approaches it from a cognitive approach, you know, uh, that, you know, we take all these things, we divide them into small pieces so they're not hard for us to get accomplished. But in that, I'm really not seeing a lot of non-action, you know, I mean, it's still action. Uh, Tina, you have something?
2: Yes. Um, yeah, I can see why you love this. This is this is this captivated me the whole all, all the transition, transition, transitions and everything. To me, it's it's like something I was thinking about um, about yesterday with kids. You know, they say when kids talk to you, and they may seem like they're trivial things, still listen because someday they're going to come to you with the big things. And they're going to know you're there to listen. And to me, it's almost like you have to just just treat, you know, the things that my kids bring to me. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, let's talk about that. I want it to be that easy, even if it's a really hard issue as they get older. And that's, that's kind of the best way to, to approach it. Um, and to me, I think a lot has to do with, you know, we all have the answers in us. We just need to find them. You're kind of your first response, your first – as long as you're, you're training your mind right, your priorities are in line, you're in tune with Tao, you're, you're doing all these things that are going to keep you in line that really your answer will come out and it will be simple. We overcomplicate things in our head by overthinking. And so that's what I got out of it about just keeping the things simple by going with what we know to be true but then our ego gets in the way and it starts, what if this, what if that, what about this person, What? when really we already know the answer.
1: That's good, Tina, thanks. Paul, you have something, sir?
0: Uh, yeah, just uh, continuing what Craig and Tina were talking about. Uh, th- this chapter really spoke to me. Uh, I guess maybe think of the acronym KISS, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> you know, I have to remind myself of that sometimes, especially at work. Uh, when I'm at work and I get on a new book project, it can seem very overwhelming at first if I think about all the work that needs to be done. But then when I just sit down and start doing it, and every day I see a little more progress, and I, you know, I have to, my boss will get on my case, you know, how's that coming along? And I'll just keep telling him, well, you know, it's, I made a little more progress the other day, and, well, that's all you can do, you know, and then he'll, <laughs> and he'll tell me that, so, and, that that just keeps me going and eventually you know it all gets done it all gets done when it should and um i don't have to push it when i start pushing it i get frustrated and that's when i run into problems and then i actually start procrastinating which is the worst thing i can do so it's amazing everybody's... isn't it paul
1: isn't it amazing how when you you do the opposite of what you really need to do oh, what you think you
0: need to do you know when you start pushing you when you start resisting it you pull back yeah that's it exactly and i, I, never, I never knew what that was before <laughs> so now i have an idea you know i'm still not perfect at it but and then it goes to, goes to the recovery too i mean there's the old cliche one day at a time and that i really took that to heart when i started my recovery because i think once we first quit drinking it can look very overwhelming like uh you know, I have to do all this work, and and I don't really look at it as work because, first of all, I made that initial surrender, which was the key. Mm-hmm. I turned it over. I said, I can't do this, so I'm just going to stop doing what I was doing and try something different. But, again, at first it can seem overwhelming. I think that's what leads to relapse is people get so overwhelmed and, you know, or or they just start feeling a little Like, like, like they've got it, like the ego gets involved and you think you've got it all figured out. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, at over 10 years sober, there's a reason I still come to these meetings. There's a reason I still do my daily work on my recovery is because uh, it's a practice like we always talk about. You know, I'll, I'll I'll never get this figured out and I I don't want to get this figured out because I want to keep applying the tools and, and it goes, to all aspects of my life, not just my recovery, but like I said, my work, you know it's uh it's just like you said, it's just trying not to push it, just try to let it flow naturally, and it's amazing how the stuff gets done. I have a Claire
1: in my meetings she says, "Go where you're being pushed, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly oh, that's great, you know that and that is fantastic because that really is it. Don't resist where you're being pushed. Just go there, you know. Yeah, go with the flow. Go with the flow, exactly. Lolly, you have something, ma'am?
5: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really do. This really does make sense to me, what all you guys are saying, too, as well as the translation. Um, I remember I was in a meeting once in New York, and um, I didn't understand it so much then because I don't think I was um, – I understood recovery so much, but looking back now, he said, um, "You know, he went to his first AA meeting. and He wanted to do steps one through twelve right then and there." And um, and I'm all I've always kind of laughed at that because you know I, I want well as you know addicts and alcoholics like we want what we want it and we want it now 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 and um. You know, when I first moved back home to Virginia to really, like, get the bull by the horns instead of this get a little sobriety under my belt, relapse, get a little sobriety. I didn't realize that I was doing the work until I was here, and it's been, I've been here about a year and a couple months now, and right around the year mark, um, I had my therapist tell me, you know, look where you were a year ago so it's like I wasn't understanding that each day I was doing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more because I have I still have that mindset I want to do it all at once or not at all and all or nothing kind of thing but when I look back to yeah where I was a year ago it's night and day I mean that is night and day my whole mindset my whole world Everything's slowed down, everything's more nuanced, it's not these huge extreme emotions one way or another, which is a huge part of my relapse, is not being able to sit in those emotions. Um, so yeah, just eating, uh, eating part of that elephant day by day by day, and then also not getting frustrated when you have a little bit of a step back, because you know you're, you can take 10 steps forward and two steps back. Um, and for me, it's the only way I can do it. Because if I try and bite off the whole thing, I'm going to get overwhelmed like Paul seven, and
1: fall down that mountain. You know, and steps forward, or steps back are not really steps back a lot of times, you know, and that is life, isn't it? We have this back and forth. It happens all, you know. Craig, and one thing you were talking about, about taste the tasteless, one of the other translations, um... Talks about that as enjoy the plain and simple. Think of the small as lo- no, they that's they've switched that. Uh, learn to appreciate everyday life. That in tasting the tasteless, another way to translate that. So that makes it a little clearer for me. You got something?
4: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, let's just jump to that, right? So just just what Lala was talking about, the, the guy wanting to work the steps. Yeah, uh, just just in the one go. Um, I think that's kinda like saying, right, that's it, I'm never drinking again. I think you're 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 over promising. Um so that that's where I I kinda tag that into the easy promises make for little trust. Um I don't know how many other people say I'm never drinking again. And they told the partners I'm never drinking again, I'm never doing this again, I'm never doing that. Um and then before you know it you're back at it. Um and then that trust's gone. Um I kinda relate this to one day at a time. Keeping everything in the moment and just being able to do, just do what's in front of you right now, and and just worry about the next thing when it comes up. Um, yeah. More, more particularly, when it comes to, to to the part where it says little trust, some of us can maybe stretch for three, four days without drinking, and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody thinks you're doing fantastic. Then all of a sudden, you're back to day one again, or you're back to square one, and you you just come back to the copious amounts we were drinking beforehand, or or using, or whatever was your whatever was your pleasure, Um and then that trust has gone. And it's more difficult going back to somebody and say, right, that's it. This is at this time. And then before you do it four or five times down the line, you know, nobody's, everybody's going to just assume that you're going to fail. Um, and there's nothing worse than somebody in recovery than not having people that, that trust them or people that have that faith in or the confidence in somebody that, you know, that you say to somebody, right, that, that's it. This, this is where I'm. And people think, you know what? Yeah, you've got past previous for this, so you, you know, I'll give it a week. Um, so I think you tend to lose support as well if you're, if you're over-promising things. Um, I always tend to, to under-promise and over-deliver on some of the stuff that I, I like to do. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Craig. Paul, you have
0: something, sir? Yeah, I was just going to kind of agree with what Craig was saying there about the uh, – I in this chapter, I see a lot of the, uh, the living in the present moment. And it really, when you think about it, that's all we really have. I mean, um, I know, uh, especially when I first got sober, I, I looked back on, on all the, the stuff that I did when I was drinking and all the people that I hurt and all that kind of stuff. And um, you really can't dwell on that stuff because, you know, there, there's nothing constructive ca- that can come out of that. You can make your amends. But once you're done with that, I mean, that you've got to move on. And you just have to, and, and then also projecting into the future again. As addicts, I think we 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 love to do that. And um, I I know as far as the trust issue goes, Craig, you know, I had to I had to just earn that trust back just by doing the right thing every day. You know, and eventually, the people will come around. You know, if they really truly do support you, they will come around. And if they don't, then they were probably never truly your friends, or you know really cared about you to begin with so but but you have to earn that trust and just by like buddy always says just do the next right thing and that's all that's all it comes down to that's all we really can do so i see a lot of that in this chapter just the living in the present and i have to remind remind myself of that uh, on a daily basis several times a day (laughs) hey hey, paul why do you think in the first
1: section there practice non-action work without doing, taste the tasteless, magnify the small, increase the few, reward bitterness with care or with kindness. Why in the world would that be there? Yeah, that doesn't fit with the rest of this. Talking about little things, you know, taking things when they're small, where does rewarding bitterness with kindness fit? in the conversation in the chapter
0: gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, look at what you have. Don't think about the things you don't have. I,
1: I think that moving from effort to ease, which is what this is talking about. How do we move from a life of push to a life of ease it's what this entire chapter I think is about. One of the first ideas is, okay, enjoy the plain and simple. Okay. See the simple, the simplicity and the complicated, okay? Take the the, the complicated things and break them down and make them simple. When you see bitterness in your life or other lives, start rewarding that with kindness. It says reward it. We don't think of someone, you know, something bitter rewarding it. We want to punish it. I just realized it was reward. It's not re- like repay or or like, you know, they're bitter, so we got to be kind to them, even though we don't want to be, you know. Oh, they're bitter. We're going to reward them for being bitter by being kind to them. Lala?
5: Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the Buddhist uh, thinking of, you know these labels of good and bad they're neither one of them is good or bad (laughs) i mean it just is what it is so if something is better it just causes your reaction to make have you do this thing but not put judgment on it that's been a big i mean lesson for me this year is kind of trying to take yourself out of these labels of this is good and this is bad um they're just kind of benchmarks to Teach us something because anything that is good is going to come down and everything that's bad will turn good. I mean, it's the polarities. So instead of putting labels on them, reacting to them, judging them, it's just a way of um, giving us guidelines to a life.
1: Yes. Thanks, Lala. Kate, you have something?
3: I think uh, with this rewarding bitterness with care, I like the idea of it, but I think in practice, that's really difficult. I have a, a person in my life right now that is just being mean. Like, I think she just doesn't like me very much. You know, she's somebody I have to see regularly, and she just doesn't like me, and she does mean stuff. And it's like that's some bitterness. I don't want to reward it with care really. you know but I can see the I can see the good idea in it. And then the final translation, when people give you trouble, let it slide. you know I can see that it would benefit me for sure, not to get wrapped up in it, not to get agitated, and then to actually reward it. With care, like I can see in the grand picture that that's a really good idea. But in actual practice, it's like, that's really difficult to do.
1: You know, Kate, I think that is one of the actions that bring us to this ease of life. Because when we're kind to someone who's showing us, and that word for bitterness could be hatred, ill treatment, injury, malice, wrong, treat you wrong in any way. It's not a catch on words. I mean, it's the idea that when somebody does something to you that is not nice, instead of repaying it with not being nice, you repay it with something kind, something good. So there's no, you know, it's not a word game. (laughs) I mean, it really is about Doing something. And in doing so, we've learned that that's the key to letting go of all fear, all anger, everything is by learning to respond with kindness. And every spiritual practice teaches this. I mean, we learn it in recovery that when we have a resentment, what do we do? We pray for the people. What 552, I think it is, in the big book. You know, we, you for two weeks, whether you believe the words or not, whether even if they're empty words, you do it anyway. And that is the idea that responding with kindness. And I think if we're moving toward what that first phrase is from effort to ease in life, if we have an area that in our life, we can even break it down to your relationship with this lady. Uh, I, I, uh, I assume it's female. Hmm. If you're having you you're having um effort in that relationship, right? I mean it takes effort. Anything to do with her is effort. Right. You don't want to see her, you don't want nothing to do with her, you want so every interaction with her is effort. Now, if you want to move to ease in that relationship, you gotta start if there's bitterness or any kind of wrong in that relationship, you've got to respond with kindness. You've got to respond with good. That whole idea of overcoming evil was good. It That's not because we can't kill them and get away with it. It's because being kind and good is what actually makes the change in you.
3: Right. Because I'm always really nice to her, but in my heart, I'm like, er.
1: You're really not being nice to her. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, your your level of consciousness with her is at anger and resentment. Right. right, right. So if you can pull that level of consciousness up to more of a kind, up of, to love, or even acceptance, you're mm-hmm. getting into a positive area, and that's what how she's going to respond. And, and th- this is the thing. Once you get there, it doesn't matter how she responds. It's unimportant at that
0: point. Because you're okay with it, Paul. Yeah, what Buddy said there, uh, you, you do it for yourself. You don't do it for her, you do it for yourself. And you will feel a lot of relief, you know, if you can do that, Kate. Okay. I know it's—I know it seems difficult, but you, you really will feel lighter. See, Paul, that's where the small bits come in. You, you, don't,
1: you can't do it all at once, so you do it in little ways first. You might hold the door for her, or you might just have a kind thought. So you could start with praying the will of God for her, which is neither good nor bad. I mean, I could pray that for Hitler himself. I'm not praying good things. I'm just praying the will of God. And then it can move. Like, I have a scale I use for that. It's the will of God, good things, what I want. Then I might do kind acts for the person. And if I really can't get over it, I'll spend money on them. If I spend money on you, it's because I really have a resentment that I can't get over. <laughs> but see, that's my scale. And that's how I've learned to get over these things. It's not about them
2: at all. Tina? When I when I um thank you for that. When I heard the word reward, that and as you brought it up, I didn't realize that before one thing that came to mind for me was to reward somebody when they treat you badly or with bitterness because it reminds you of where you could be. They obviously have things going on. They're overthinking. Their ego's in the way. And it's almost like, thank you for reminding me where I don't want to be and for reminding me how to be because it is a reminder. And I think we learn best when something is stirred in us. Uh, Pain is the touchstone of all spiritual growth and nothing comes from comfort zones. So when somebody does make you uncomfortable, I always try to use those as opportunities to grow. And so when I see the word reward, that's what I think of is, um, thank you for reminding me of where I need to be. And I think if you can look at it from that point of view, sometimes empathy falls in line with that. And you think, oh, wow, you know, that person must be miserable, or have something going on inside of them.
0: Thanks, Tina. Paul. Yeah, just a kind word can go a long way, you know. You don't, you know, you don't have to buy them things, but not yet. Yeah, just a... <laughs> that comes later, right, buddy. If but... you can't get over it, because the goal is not doing things for them,
1: the goal is for you to be at ease. So whatever yeah, it well, takes well, for me to be at
0: ease, I want to do it. Yeah, a lot of times if I have a problem with somebody, I'll just, I'll just turn it around. I, like I said, I'll give them a kind word or you know, ask them how their day is going, and all of a sudden, hey, all of a sudden you you notice a change in them. Does that help, Kate? Yeah, it does help. Why don't you try that some and let us
1: know what actions you take and how that changes, if that starts changing, if it changes them or if it just changes you. Okay. Regardless, it's going to change you. Yeah which is how we move from practice into practicing non-action, practicing ease. But this rewarding uh, kindness, rewarding bitterness with kindness is a huge part of this. It's not just, okay, I got to do this in small sections. I got to do, you know, it's not this push, push, effort, effort, effort. It's learning how, for me, it's learning how to get my higher power involved in what's going on. Now, how this relates to recovery for me, I went six years in AA and could not stop drinking. I tried everything I possibly could. I did everything I was told. I worked the steps. I did everything. Except, in hindsight, I never learned how to really surrender. I never learned how to turn my will over to the care of God. And it took six years for me to learn how to do that and how to let go. And when I let go with my alcohol and quit trying, it started working. So that same quit trying, I think, is the same thing as this non-effort, non-action. It's the same idea. And I think a lot of, a lot of people in a lot of times and areas of our life, we get stuck over here in the work. And we might put some things in place that help, but we're not free. We're really not at ease. You know, And I think the goal is to be at ease with all these things. Now, the master, going on down, the master never reaches for the great. Now, that word for reach means he never attempts the great. He never strives to be great. It's not that he's not trying to do everything he can do. It's just that his goal is not to be great. So he's great. This whole idea that you know, it's not the pride, it's not the ego. We're just doing the next kind thing that we can do, and in doing so, we accomplish what we need to accomplish. So, it's not that the master is not doing great things. It's just that he's not striving to be this great person. He's just being kind to the people
4: around him. He's
1: just doing what's in front of him to do.
4: Craig. Yeah, I just noticed a bit. No, you just spoke about this. I was just on the phone. Um, difficult problems are best solved while they are easy. Um, we do a daily inventory, and we make amends there and then if we need to, rather than letting things grow and grow and become resentments and difficulties between people. Um, I just, I just, I just that, that just sprung out to me on the on one of the translations, page eighty four. Yes, Paul and Kate. Think about your situation.
1: If you deal with it now, so much easier to deal with it now rather than later, because it just grows, grows, grows.
4: Maybe it's not you. Maybe she, maybe she doesn't have a problem with you. Maybe she has a problem with somebody else, and you remind them of her. Uh, them. It could be a transference thing. But when you dig down in those things,
1: nothing's personal, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, even things my wife does. I mean, if she was married to anybody, she would respond the same way. It's not me that she's picking on. (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, I I don't know of anyone that's out, you know, spitefully after me. (laughs) I mean, I am just happen to be the person there, you know. So if you depersonalize that, you know, it's really easier for me. And and that's the thing with working on... Uh, when you when you do four-step work and you see what's behind what's going on and you get it down to these little pieces you realize a lot of times oh that's just a fear of whatever that's all that is and you surrender the fear and the rest of it just goes away so how many times did you work a four step and you thought it was going to be this huge thing and when it was over you said you know that was not what I thought it was going to be. That wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be. It's so I wish I had done that before I'm seeing head shake. So yeah, it's nod. So yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's the way it's always been with me. I was always relieved, not regretting same kind of thing. You know, how about this idea? And I love, love, love this. Uh, In the second translation, the last stanza, when she runs into a difficulty, she stops, she gives herself to it, and she doesn't cling to her own comfort. Thus, problems are no problem for her. And the one note on this from Stephen Mitchell on this chapter is when she runs into a difficulty, he says that means a difficulty is like a letter with her address on it. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? A letter with her address on it. And I I read this chapter. I have a, a sponsee and we go through the Tao Dao De Ching and we talked about this chapter a while back, Zach E tried to get him on the podcast. He's just he's so great with this. And I said, What does that mean? And we talked and talked about it and. On And what he concluded, which made sense to me, was it's just something drawing your attention. So the difficulty, we think, is this huge thing. No, it's just what's drawing your attention in the moment. So whatever's drawing your attention, you just give yourself to it. You don't project, just like we were talking about being in the now. Because, you know, when you think about it, if all of our problems originate in fear, which I think they do, I've not seen any issue I've had that did not, Eventually, if I worked it down, did not get back to either me, a fear of losing something I had or not getting something I wanted. It goes back to that if I go far enough down. That's only in the past or the future. It's, I never have really have fear in the actual moment. Um, so giving myself to it, not clinging, so nothing's a real problem. Tina?
2: I think when it resonated with me when you said that, that they talk about it uh, being addressed to you. Um, I was in a workshop last night, and the speaker kept saying, this, this was intended for you. Mm-hmm. Every difficulty that you go through is, in. I can't remember the exact words, I had it a minute ago, intended for you, to teach you something specifically. And so that made sense to me when you said that that with your name on it, this exact problem is in your life to teach you something and to show you something. Um, and yesterday, I was at the goodwill, and sometimes it tight space gets tight, and there was a woman who was kind of boxing me out a little bit, or just really in there, and like I kind of flared up, and I just thought. I felt intimidated. I'm like, you know what? Just keep, just don't move. Don't let her back you down. Just keep doing your thing. And then she just said, $21. I said, what? She said, that's how much this coat is. is that, isn't that crazy? And and I thought, she had no clue what she was doing. It, I think it was a cultural thing. She had a strong accent, and I perceived it as a threat. But her, that's just how they are. That's just probably normal, fine behavior. And I was interpreting interpreting it as crazy but it's when our ego gets in the way and we start making all these interpretations that we do damage to ourselves when it didn't even need to be there
1: right tina that's good how many times have you gotten mail and it was addressed to you and you you stressed over it and then once you opened it you said Oh this isn't nothing why was i even concerned about that or that letter from the irs you know you said oh shit what is this and you open it before you even get over to the counter, right? <laughs> you can't even wait until you get out to the car. And you say, oh, this is nothing, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But that projecting, you're right, Tina. You're right. That's good. Derek Lynn said that we do not fight fire with fire. Instead, we respond with compassion against which there is no defense. That's what we're talking about. All right, giving herself to whatever's in front of her, not clinging, because how can you give if you're clinging? You can't. So we respond with kindness, we give, and if we're doing that, Kate, if you're giving kindness for bitterness, when we practice this, there are no issues when we get right sized about it, because once... If I'm not carrying a resentment with someone, there is no issue. So I'm at ease in that relationship. So for me, this whole thing is about learning how to do that. And there's practical things we can do, but yet there are things we can do that do not seem practical. It seems practical to, you know, find the simple and the complicated and break things down to small tasks and all of that. But repaying injury with kindness... No way. That's not practical. That's moving over into the ease that only comes from a spiritual solution. Giving myself to whatever's in the moment. I've got a plan for tomorrow. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to make sure this doesn't happen again. I've got, you know, all of these fears start dominating when we're not in the moment. So this is all about, I think, like you guys said, moving it more and more into the moment. Give yourself to problems, let them go. Great acts are made from small deeds. See the simplicity in the complicated. We talked about rewarding bitterness with care. Under-promise, over-deliver. Look for the simple and the complicated. What can I do in the moment? Um, Accepting where you are without resistance. The greatest difficulty is nothing more than something drawing your attention. Not clinging what makes you comfortable act without doing this doesn't uh what does it mean to give yourself to difficulty you're not in control it's not a person it's a situation surrender to the difficulty it's ego deflation i was just looking through my notes that's about all i have that's a lot any other comments guys there wasn't a lot that i saw in uh Wayne Dyer, really. Did you see anything particular you wanted to talk about, Craig?
4: Uh, no, I think he just really reiterates what we spoke about, just making making small things big. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything that's um, – I think really Leipzig urges you to change the way you look at the 21st century world by doing the following – look for the simplicity and what you call complicated by seeing that in this moment it's not hard. So again, it's, it's just really a case of keeping things in the moment. Yeah. Um, his also, is
1: down. Go ahead, I'm
4: sorry. Yeah, and also Paul touched on it as well. Um, he, um, Stephen Mitchell gave Wayne Dyer his definition of insanity, which was to believe that you need what you don't have is insane. Um, and when Dyer added believing that you can't be content and happy now because your future appears to you to be difficult as another infor- as another form of insanity. Um. So appreciation, gratitude for what you have, and you know, you know, just just keeping things in the moment. You know, that's
1: the thing. Being the now, you know, is really the big part of this. Is breaking this down because if we're in the past, with fear lives in the past and in the future. Fear rarely rarely lives in the now. So if we're in the past and the future, there's no way to be at ease.
0: It's impossible. It's impossible. Any closing comments, guys? Paul, you have something? Yeah, I was just gonna say uh what's what what is one of the biggest fears, the fear of the unknown, right? And that that's the future. The future is unknown. I mean we can guess at what's gonna happen, but we don't really know. And learning to live in the now really takes care of that. you know. And yeah, so, yeah, if you let go of that fear, boy, that's a big,
4: big thing right there. So. Yeah. Craig? Just takes it back to the old adage. There's two days you can't do anything about, yesterday and tomorrow. Goes back to the same thing, doesn't
1: it? Learning to be in the moment, doing the next right thing. That's really where the ease is. Okay, guys, if, if that's all we have, we'll close for today.